Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Dom. And CJ. (laughs) Yeah, we have the long-awaited return of one of our most valued members of this podcast, CJ. So thanks for coming back, CJ. Back by popular demand. (laughs) Yes, you're welcome. Oh, okay, welcome back, I guess. Uh, I guess Dom is back, too. Dom is back, which I think is a thing to celebrate. Dom, tell us where you've been. Yeah, where have you been? Uh, I've been to England and France. No. Yeah. Flew into London, stayed there for three days. Eurostar over to Paris, there for about a week. Then took a road trip out to uh, Brittany, hit uh, Carnac, St. Malo, uh, then a little bit of Normandy, then back to Paris, then back to London, where I saw Les Mis, uh, the Queen's Theater. Whoa. And then... Back to Seattle, then back to Portland. Let <laughs> me in French or English? Uh, English. It was in London. It was on <laughs> You know, it's weird because, like, I'm, I'm very excited to hear all of this, but Amato told me you were returning to your home planet to refuel and gain supplies. Uh, I can't return. It's, it's been destroyed centuries yeah. ago. Pieces well, of it are in England and France, however, so. Hmm. I'm lying. Not right? anymore, but yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, the trip was clearly a success because only one extremely important historical monument burned down while you were present. Yeah, yeah, it's still kind of a bummer, thanks. Yeah. You really were <laughs> on vacation, I mean. Yeah. Couldn't you have stepped it up a bit, just one? <laughs> so I was there uh, the night uh, Notre Dame Cathedral caught on fire. Yeah, it's all anyone was talking about in school that day, like over, like the next day too. Really? Oh yeah, like people were following it. That was, what, what school was I even subbing at at that time? I don't remember. It's interesting because I've heard a lot of takes on this, and one is that it it's a significant thing, but there's so much um, attention paid to it, um, as opposed to like the thousands of you know religious monuments that have been bombed in various other non-Christian countries, yeah. specifically by people of the U.S. So uh, that that's kind of a take I've heard on that. Um, it, not to diminish the significance of this, but it was an accidental fire. Um, and I'm told that they're doing restoration, like, as we speak. They were doing restoration when the fire started. Exactly. Yeah, yes. yeah like, three days later, there was already a retrospective documentary on TV about it. Yeah, I feel like it's a little trumped up. I mean, I, it's obviously, yes, historical monuments are very important, mm. but... Well, but, are the gargoyles okay? Is oh, the question. God, I hope so. The stained glass windows and all the other architectural fixtures are fine, so I, I assume so. Mm-hmm. It's just the wooden roof, really, yeah. that went up. <laughs> it's a beautiful cathedral. I'm glad I got to see it. Yeah, back, yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, it is quite beautiful. Did, oh. did you get to see it before it was on fire, Dom? Uh, no. Uh, that first day, we just I just wanted to walk around taking in the sight of Paris, so I saw it from the distance. Mm-hmm. And uh, then um, saw it from the top, top of the Montparnasse office tower. Oh. Yeah. Well, let's get to the more important parts about your trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you bought some comics. Yeah, yeah. I bought some... Um, <laughs> yeah, I bought a few um, band designates or... Uh, as I think they're called in French. Albums, we say. Yeah. Ooh. I've got uh, this one, which I actually got for free in a download, but it was so pretty I wanted a physical copy. Oh, of. yeah. I think you shared that with me before. 
And at that time, at a local um, supermarket, they had an uh, Asterix 60th anniversary thing. Nice. Which um, I tried to buy, and the cashier was very urgently trying to tell me something. I couldn't figure out what, but be careful when you open that, because there's loose stickers in there. Oh. It turns out it's a sticker album. It's a wow. sticker album. Yeah, and you get more packs of stickers at the store. Huh. That's so cool. Wait. So you don't have all the stickers that would go in this book? No, you, you have to get them from you the store. You have to store. get them from the store. Crazy. My last day in Paris, they had one of those stores at the um, basement of the train station we were at, the, at Gare du Nord. Mm-hmm. And I tried to, like with my weak grasp of French, I tried to ask for something from the cashier. When they finally realized what I was talking about, they just like handed me a handful. I tried to pay for them, they just waved me off. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's quite nice. And with I my guess. last 15 euro, I bought this at the train station. Ooh, some lucky Luke. I, oh, in Paris? A cowboy in Paris, yeah. Oh, yes. So this um, this first one that you passed around, Dom, mm-hmm. is you did share this with me before via the internet, I believe. This, I think, is has more colors than mm-hmm. the one that I saw. Yeah. It's very pretty. The art is very, um, I don't know, I want to say, like, contemporary, like, very, like, the new Shira kind of... Or almost Steven University web comic, yeah. But it's very, very pretty. Um, what? How do you pronounce the title of that? Um, Le Fleur de Grand Frère. Frère, yeah. Uh, older brothers' flowers. Yeah, I like how they did the colors and that they look like they're digital colors, but they have a very like watercolor aspect. It's fun because it spends an entire year in this kid's life and they use the different color palettes for the, the different seasons. Yeah, that one's quite good. Oh, yeah, and I'm loving... <laughs> Lucky Elise. Yeah. Lucky Cowboy in Paris. A very classic art style. Nothing Love like the bright colors. The, yeah. the primary color is very red, blue, and yellow. There's nothing like a Old West Cowboy comic via Belgium. <laughs> I think uh, it was. That's great. And it ends with the Statue of Liberty. What do you know? Yeah. It seems like good choices. I've enjoyed yeah. the Lucky Luke that I've read so in English. So with my learning, language learning um, uh, tendencies is I find something I like, which is almost exclusively comics and animation of, of that language, and then kind of dive into that scene. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to practice. My next yeah. target is Spanish, which I'm kind of pivoting from French. I have a couple of... Uh, I have a couple of uh, learned Spanish books in French that, that I'm working through. That's a good way to do it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know how that goes because the transition from Spanish to French is one of the hardest things in my life. Like, it's put me off of French forever. <laughs> it's a bit easier going from French to Spanish, I think. I'm sure it is. It's definitely easier going than going from uh, English to French or English to Spanish. Mm. Just the spelling alone, I mean. Yeah, I mean... Spanish is very intuitive, uh, the spelling and the pronunciation to me. One of the few languages is that... very decorative. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's funny because Spanish and French are both Romance languages, so you'd think transitioning from, like, Germanic language, like English, would be equal between the Romance languages, but it very much is not. Now, so that's been our eight minutes of a travel talk. <laughs> oh, right. Right, and speaking of England... Mm-hmm. Our fanfic today is about some good Englishmen, by which I mean hobbitsmen's. And our fanfic is The Jewel of Brandy Hall, by Fernwithy. 
My dear friends. Our yeah. first ever returning author. Fern it Withy. is. Yeah. We did Father's Heart by Fernwithy some time ago. CJ, that was your first episode with us. That's right. And second Four and third. Four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We really worked for that one, but yeah. it was worth it. Yeah. Um, um, I think that's evidence to me that Fernwithy is a worthwhile author to pursue. Yeah, because we let a couple others fall by the wayside, but we made sure to pick this one up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Dom, you tend to ask me why I chose a fanfic. Yes. And I, I'm running into this problem recently where I've I've scheduled ahead fanfics for a long time, at least tentatively. Like, I've got through episode 53 sketched out. Because I just kind of hammer it out, like, oh, we can do, like, these short ones and this long one, and these short ones and this long one. The result of which is I don't remember any of, like, why I chose any of these <laughs> things. I know I was looking for something of reasonable length. I guess I was looking at Lord of the Rings fanfics, mm -hmm. and something that at least seemed reasonably well regarded. And then I probably just saw that Fernwithy had written something and was like, oh yeah, let's read that. That sounds like it'd be fun to have two points of reference on the same author. I mean, we're always a little bit disappointed when you don't pull through a motto, but <laughs> as you've gone, you've gone above and beyond how much you know programming you should do on a free <laughs> podcast like this, so mm -hmm. we're, we're still grateful <laughs> how much producing you've been doing. <laughs> right, so much producing. I've got a Google Doc with a list of fanfics in it. Uh, I guess it's technically a Google Sheet. Um, well, I mean, if you're getting producer credits, uh, I feel like maybe we should be paying you a little bit more. I don't know. Well, you can pay me, sure. Yeah. No complaints. We're, we're all kind of producers. Though, Just so add a couple <laughs> zeros on the end. <laughs> of the zero. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Now... Uh, so this fanfic was published May 15th, 2000, updated February 25th, 2001. Hey, that's one of my birthdays. No. <laughs> one of your, one of one of your birthdays? birthdays. <laughs> well, my birthday in 2000. Yeah. Okay. This, I see. That's such an interesting so way to phrase that. stories behind your, yourself. All right. My, my planet has a complicated culture. <laughs> <laughs> now... That means kind of like the last Lord of the Rings fanfic we read, which was, of course, um, They Say of the Elves, that it was coming out when the movies were still just kind of coming out. Like, Fellowship would have been oh, out. Oh, quite, yes. But it wasn't yet, like, the roaring pitch, I feel like, of fandom. Or even if it kind of was for Fellowship, this fanfic is really, really not Fellowship-based in no. the slightest. This like, this fanfic is very books-based, right. very mm -hmm. not movies to me. So Fernwithy must have been involved in what uh, the other author, was that Brancher? Um, yeah, Brancher. What Brancher referred to as like the small sedate fandom of Lord of the Rings. Just a reference to Tom Bombadil tells me that it wasn't related <laughs> to the films at all. So. But yeah, I can see how this might have been put out with the spark of interest mm -hmm. that was created by the release of the films. Everybody kind of went back to Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. and thought, oh yeah, those those books, those are great. Let's check that out again. <laughs> and I, I do think, like, kind of as you pointed to, Amato, there's this early, like, resurgence of interest in the books because of the release of the movies. Mm -hmm. But as the movies came out, the movies kind of took over the cultural conception. Yeah. Now, I didn't know anything about the premise of this fanfic until we started reading it. I, no, I knew that it was post-series and set in Hobbiton and, like, about some, like, Hobbit, new Hobbit character. Hobbit, Hobbit. <laughs> but that's all I knew. Mm -hmm. And in the intro, Fernwithy says, This story comes out of a series of conversations at 
and then for some reason it was just a period. I, I, there's and then an apostrophe. Issue, <laughs> I don't know. In which Frodo's fate was debated, was he right or wrong to seek sanctuary in Eresia? The outcome of the discussion was a site called the Rescue Frodo SWAT Team, moder- <laughs> moderated by Prembone, which collects stories and poetry dedicated to bringing Frodo back to Middle-earth. And so that's a weird origin for the story. Let the man rest. <laughs> I mean, no. give him a break. <laughs> Seriously, like, there's I, a reason he sailed off in those ships, damn. I feel like even in this story, there's a strong argument to be made like, yeah. about Quite. that. Yes. Much to Fern with these credit. Good old Fern with these. So, I know. Uh, Tolkien's, like, worldview. Mm-hmm. I forgot what the spe- There's a specific name for it, but it's the idea that um, everything is slowly getting worse. Yeah. The, the idea that, that things were better in the past and that as time goes on, things will just get worse and worse and, like, less divine and mm-hmm. such. So with Lord of the Rings, um, everything is getting... The, the, the divine hour have left everything, and everything that was good or holy is kind of retreating back to the West. So the idea of something coming back from the West to the East isn't really fitting with the Tolkien philosophy. Tolkien yeah, wouldn't have done it, true. no. No. <laughs> That's why we have Fern with you. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And it's it's kind of, you know, the... I wish I could remember, yeah, exactly what that phrasing was, but the, the, modern, happens, yeah. the modern, like, interpretation is, like, cosmic pessimism of the idea of, like, humanity is kind of dying off in its slow way because it was never meant to exist as a species. That God was perfect and everything after that was a mistake, kind of... Yeah. Why don't we dive into the content, at least in, you know, the broad strokes here. So, like, that means that this fanfic is directly at odds with the philosophy that Tolkien set out, kind of blazing their own path, their own territory. Yeah. Oh, but, but it's but addressed. Like, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. One of the nice things is, like, like you were saying, CJ, like, there's a reason Frodo had to go to the West. It's not waved off no. in the fanfic at all. Like, it's just kind of, yeah... A, but you're right, Dom, it's definitely kind of a competing philosophy, like, it's not, it's, it's not something Tolkien probably would have approved of conceptually. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of points to discuss in that, but let's, let's try to, yeah. like, dig into what's actually happening to... Right. Yeah, that's just my thought process going into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's good to remember. Our story starts following a kid named Galadriel Baggins. Of course. <laughs> I really like this opening line. No one was really surprised when the Galadriel Baggins did odd things. First paragraph, one sentence. It's strong. Yeah, it is a strong opening. Yeah, it is, it is. Galadriel, who everyone calls Gala, is being raised by Mary in Brandybuck Hall. And Mary has kind of become the new patriarch-type person. I guess, you know, the Brandybucks... It seems like someone would have been more senior than Mary, but maybe he just, like, gets some extra props. He was really tall. So. Oh, and he was pivotal in saving mm-hmm. the Shire. He That's was. true, too. Yeah, Mary and Pippin were, like, super <laughs> <high> tall. Yeah, It mattered. Are the hobbits, like, the aliens in Invader Zim? <laughs> <laughs> They're the tall ones. <laughs> oh, my God. It's funny, though, like, Pippin doesn't make quite as much of an appearance as Mary does, right? Well, Pippin's also... Is that, am I right about that? No, he doesn't as much in this story. Yeah. Um, now... Uh, for a moment, I was kind of rolling my eyes about naming their kid Galadriel, but it's quite canon, apparently, that, like, Mary names his kid, uh, wh- what is it? It's, uh, Eowyn, isn't it? Eowyn, uh... Yeah. The- Theoden. 
But then there's yeah. also an Eowyn. There's also an Eowyn. And, 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 and Sam think... has a bunch of kids that are named after no, right. people they know. <laughs> but there's a point about this. There, there's They literally mention, like, I don't remember if it was an author's note or, like, an actual note on the, the character's spoke, but that there weren't that many, like, women to name, hot like, Hobbit women to name the characters after, so mm-hmm. they named the characters after, like, these specific women. I feel like that must have been an author's note, but they made that a point. <laughs> By the way, my favorite thing about the Hobbit kid names in this is the, like, offhand comment that, like, it, it's... It's Mary's son, right? Um, Theoden. Mm-hmm. That, like, before the day was passed after he was born, everyone was calling him Dengo. Yeah. And I was like, of course they were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they had to men- hobbitize it. <laughs> they, right. They mention offhand that every kid hobbit eventually gets a, a nickname at some within, like, a few days of being born. Right. So no one's calling this kid Galadriel. She's Gala. I mean, even the Frodo is just called Fro. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, because there's another Frodo. That's Gala's younger brother. No, one right. of Sam's kids. Oh, one of Sam's kids. That's right. Of course. Right. There's uh, a lot of, of hobbits course. and a lot of hobbit kids in this. Yeah. yeah. I just called Frodo. But I, I do like that Galadriel's nickname is Gala because it sounds like an apple, which just seems really, like, that. hobbity. Yeah. Right? Little apple going to mm-hmm. a dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the sorts of odd behavior that Gala does include being really bookish for a hobbit, and being like an adventurous kid, which is not particularly scandalous. And being a tomboy. Yeah. And being a tomboy. Yeah. So she's basically like Belle in Beauty of the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Pretty she's much. not unlike Belle in Beauty and the Beast, is she? Now that you mention it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, great character, so yeah. not yeah. bad, right? Like she's all singing. There must be more than this provincial town. Yes, and <laughs> exactly. She is like, trying to escape on a pony. <laughs> well, she's also super interested in elves. She is. And you know the elves who still occasionally pass through heading to the west. And one of the reasons she's interested in this is that it comes out pretty soon to us. She's Frodo's daughter. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Frodo went into the West. Mm-hmm. Now, should we just give the backstory here? Because like, we don't need to reveal it the way they totally. did. It's yeah. slowly revealed over the story, but yeah. We may as well just explain what the deal is. Because I was like, really, though? Come Go on. <laughs> but they, Fernwithy did a good job of kind of making it believable. Going I, through the fic, a lot of uh, characters kind of tiptoe around it. Right. Well, because it's... It's, yeah, a little bit of a sensitive topic. It's a bit of a scandal, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the deal is there's this hobbit woman who was also rather bookish and, like, trying to set up a school and stuff. And she was blinded by Saruman mm-hmm. in the Shire fight. Because she had, it said, like, she had been, like, tra- teaching herself to use a bow. And I think that was one of, like, the party presents that Bilbo gave out to some of the kids, right? Like, little bows or something? Something I like so. that. Yeah. I, anyway, I, th- I feel like that ties together. But, like, yeah, Saruman, like, blinded her personally with a spell. And after the... and Sorry, what's her name? Um, Lily. Lily. Lily Witherpool. After all that, she, she gets taken over to Rivendell to be healed by... No, um, to Tom no. Bombadil. Oh, to Tom Bombadil? They have to yeah. go to Tom Bombadil for that? Mm-hmm. He's a merry fellow. Well, <laughs> and his coat is yellow or something. Bright blue his jacket is, oh, and his... It no. says, wait, wait, flip it, reverse it. <laughs> <laughs> one of them's blue, one of them's yellow. Into he wears the, colors, wait. it's fine. <laughs> Into the old forest and get Gandalf to fix her poor eyes after Sharky blinded her. Well, that's yeah, but, what it's but that's, later on it, they say Gandalf uh, t- and Frodo took her to I Tom see, Bombadil I see. Together. Yes, I, oh, you're right yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah, you're quoting the Hobbit gossip, which is not uh, entirely I clear see. on the details. And so 
it, it's just like she needed to be taken out into the wilderness, like to, you know, to like weird unhobbity places, mm-hmm. and someone needed to go with her because she was blind. And apparently, it would be more of a scandal for like some unaccompanied, not related to her Hobbit man to go with her than it would be for someone to just marry her. And so Frodo just married her. It like, was something that um, Lily's guardian, um, mm-hmm. Paladin, took. I think it was. Yeah. Insisted in order to keep Wait, Lily's reputation. Wasn't safe. Paladin Perg- um Pippin's father. Pippin's father. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say Peregrine because I don't know for something. Paladin Peregrine. Yeah, but yeah, that's his Peregrine is Pippin's full name. Her anyway. um, reputation was important because she wanted to start a school. Yeah, and yeah, then, and yeah. like that that happens, and they come back to the the Shire, and they're living apart, and like they're kind of friendly, and she helps him put together the Red Book, mm-hmm. and there's a comment about how like she didn't want to be written in the Red Book, mm-hmm. and so that explains why in the Lord of the Rings. She doesn't appear because it's a document in Middle Earth, whatever. But yeah. Lily supposedly did technical details like figure out what dates each event happened on yes. mm-hmm. by account and math. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like interviewing the other hobbits, like, yeah, yeah. Who, who were, you know, involved, yeah. It's her reason for not uh, wanting to be in the Red Book was like, well, if we're going to describe the battle that happened in Hobbiton or like in the Shire, well, we don't want to record every stub toe, do we? So <laughs> I was like, cool. <laughs> yeah, this, that kind of comes up in a different way, in a fun way later on, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so they get married, and they're kind of friendly. And, you know, Frodo's on and off in a lot of pain. And on the, you know, if you don't remember, like, the very end of The Lord of the Rings, on the anniversary of getting bitten by Shelob and the anniversary of getting stabbed by the Witch King on Weathertop, he gets into, like, real, like, bad... I, like fever, but also slipping into like the spirit realm, like bad mojo sicknesses, mm-hmm. and so he he's already kind of been like half thinking of, of leaving Middle Earth or like kind of subconsciously thinking that kind of thing. He he's not like in in the habit. He's not really in the market for a relationship. Right. Yeah. But, and I have, uh, oh, sorry. Go on. No, no. I was just gonna say, but they do end up sleeping together one time shortly yes. before he leaves. Um. But I was wondering at this point if they had mentioned, like, kind of the feelings in their relationship, or if that was more expounded on later on. Oh, you like talk about it now. Yeah, I feel like it's worth mentioning that there's kind of a very, like, sweet thing between Frodo and Lily. Like, his initial marriage of her was to save her because he obviously does care for her, and because he's a good person. Like, not to save her, that's the wrong way to put it. It's actually a terrible way to put it. Um, <laughs> to... Help make her. her see again um, because he cares about her. But there's a very clear thing that their relationship is not really a sexual one. Like, right. it's, it's not even romantic. No, it's more of a friendship. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know what romantic is per se. I, it involves some measure of limerence at some point in it. it I don't Which know. Anyway, wasn't. my point is, is that their relationship is like... You know, they're, they're good friends. And he does the marriage thing for the reason that a lot of people do the marriage thing, which is out of a great, like, love for her, but not out of any, like, real sexual attraction or desire to, like, m- have children. And so that's what becomes, like, that's what is so sweet to me, to be honest, <laughs> is that he, he loves her that, like, he just loves her as a great friend and he still wants to form this partnership 
but I think he also knows that he's going to leave. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting that, yeah, that then they do end up having sex because they do end up having a child. Yeah. I don't know. Did they explain why that happened? Like, that was unclear because it seemed like he had no real attraction to her. It was just a bit of chemistry in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe, like, the tension and the combination of them caring for each other so much maybe built that moment to come yeah. to fruition. Mm-hmm. It does make sense. It's it's very pure and tender, I guess, in a certain way, how they view each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, Fern Withy spoke so confidently about this relationship that there was a point early on reading it where I was like, is this just something from the appendices that, like, I didn't remember mm-hmm. happened? <laughs> it, it is not. No. Um, but... Frodo goes off to the West, and she ends up having a child and dying in childbirth, like happens when you are in a story that needs some amount of, uh, you know, drama tragedy Mm -hmm. involving dead parents. And it also happens in real life, but... But it was the only time they ever slept together. She got pregnant. Yeah, and then she died in childbirth how much, like, tragedy, like, that's, like, layers, right? It's also supposed to reflect that um, Frodo was an orphan, mm-hmm. that uh, apparently Lily was an orphan, I guess, why not? Um, and then she decides to leave her daughter in the care of Mary rather than Pippin, who's her first cousin, which is kind of a sticking point. Yeah, Pippin yes. has a little bit of, like, a, yeah... It, it, it seems to have hurt Pippin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but she thought, I think she thought that was a better place to grow up. That's where Frodo grew up, right? In Brandy Buck Hall mm-hmm. as, a, as an orphan. Mm-hmm. And anyway, long, long story short, long story long. If you don't mind backtracking a little bit, I found the part that talks about um, Lily and Frodo. Sure. Oh, yeah, <clears throat> that'd be great. Frodo had, uh, they're together at like one of the local festivals or something. <clears throat> Frodo had found himself in the shadows on the edge of the festival, feeling unbearably alone. Then Lily had been there, and they had started talking. At some point, Frodo had remembered that she was his wife, and she had never forgotten that he was her husband. He was angry at himself for letting it happen, and before he left her, he had apologized profusely, bidden her goodbye, not wanting to risk seeing her again. That's more or less how they explain it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the point... You know, just to briefly say, like, that was the thing is, like, it was so intensely his, like, sense of, like, understanding how much she wanted that from him that he was able to give it. I feel like that was, like, the tenderness of that moment. Mm. Mm -hmm. This is why Gala is kind of especially interested in the elves and, like, the elves going to the Grey Havens. And... She's, like, at one point in her youth, she kind of, like, falls after an elf who's passing by and, like, bugs him, and he kind of drags her back home. Mm-hmm. And then another time later on, like, when, when the fanfic kind of picks up, she sort of waits until she knows elves are traveling by and tails them. Mm-hmm. And I kind of appreciate that the elves don't notice her, because hobbits are supposed to be very good about moving around in the Shire area in the wilderness, you know, without people noticing them, right? Mm-hmm. Not just Gala, but Gala's pony also. That... Seemed a little bit less likely, but I I guess... It's a Rohan pony, all right? That's true. Yeah, right. They're professional. It's like Your the best pony. Her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, 
Right, because, uh, yeah, she has been to Rohan with Mary a couple of times, apparently. And everybody else in um, Hobbiton doesn't believe any of the stories Gala has about it. Right. <laughs> I know, which just got to throw you through a loop, right? Like, you go off and have these adventures, and you come home, and it's like, I'll believe you. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And she's Whatever. met the king as well. No way, France doesn't exist. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. Wouldn't that, like, trip you up? Like, that's some, like, heavy gaslighting bullshit right there. I... I could expect it from people. I don't care what people think. <laughs> yeah, but if that was the entire precedent of your whole life. She's got Mary and yeah. Pippin and all the cool people in the Shire, so it's yeah. all right. Yeah, but everybody else is telling her they're crazy, so. She Speaking just reads of, a book then. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of people telling people things, I just like to comment that especially in the first part of this fanfic, I really appreciated how much, how concerned it is with Hobbit gossip. Like we get a mm-hmm. we get a whole scene mm-hmm. and we'll get we'll get another one later of just like hobbits in the inn gossiping and like you know whenever it's talking about things that gal that like are happening around this family there's usually some amount paid to like oh what other people have to say about it you like know that like opening song and Beauty and the Beast <laughs> right <laughs> it it really matters what old farmer maggot you know and his wife are saying about this escapade that Gal got farmer into farmer maggot farmer maggot farmer yeah. maggot real character <laughs> all I can say is that. There's a series of, what is it, was it Zangband or was it Tome? I must be thinking of Tome, Troubles of Middle-Earth. It's an Angband variant. So an old roguelike. I was killed by Grip Fang and William, Farmer Maggot's dogs, many, many times. Oh my god. They are, they're deadly for low level. Was that an ASCII roguelike? Oh yeah. Did I play that? Is that why I knew that? (laughs) Yeah, that sounds so familiar. It sounds like something you'd given me at some point. That's why I remember Farmer Maggot all the time. It honestly sounds so familiar. Someone must remember I Farmer kinda... Maggot all the time. His poor dogs, though. Who made them that way? I appreciate that they mention a lot of hobbits, and I don't know if any of them are made up or not, so that if they were made up, then they fit in very well with the hobbit naming scheme. Right. I feel like the, the farmer thing, like, wasn't there... There was the farmer that Mary and Pippin ran from in the That's early... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it just... But it rings the same tone. Like... Uh, anyway, I, I just appreciate that. It felt very hobbity flavorful. Yes. But the main action picks up with Gala actually managing to tail some elves to the Grey Havens. Mm-hmm. And as it happens, well, for one thing, Mary freaks out. Mary yeah. gathers a Pippin and Sam. They go after her. Yeah, I mean, your kid just left. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> she's she's very much Mary's kid. Like yeah. He's, and he's, yeah, he's been in charge of her since before he was married, right. I think. Yeah. So, according to this. And now, and, and she's supposed to be, at this point, 12 years old, which is weird because it seems like she's actually 12 years old as opposed to being, like, what the Hobbit, Hobbit 12 years would old. be. That's a little convoluted in this, I will admit. Well, but, that's just a matter of per- perception, I think. Like, yeah. I don't, you know, she could, she's an arbitrary, like, young, but not, like, you know, really young age. You yes, know? but they specify that the coming of age is 30, right. and then they also specify that she is 12. So it's yeah. kind of confusing because she doesn't act like a uh, like three-year-old or I don't know what, you know, whatever the equivalent would be, the six-year-old she has. If it's proportional, you mean? Yeah. Maybe Hobbits are just teenagers for 15 years. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, it's oh, quite yeah. possible. <laughs> anyway, I, I would say that she acts in between the ages of nine and 12. Um, now, they're able to trail her, they being Mary and Pippin and Sam. The Does Pippin go? Yeah, Pippin goes, don't they? Doesn't... 
thought it was just Pippin married to Sam. Yeah, Pippin. Pippin's actually tracking them because the the soldiers of Gondor, the Rangers, right. trained him gotcha. a little bit in yeah, tracking. Yeah. 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 Um, and they catch up with her at the Grey Havens, and they're going to be like, "Oh well, you're in you're in real real big trouble, young lady." But as it happens, when they're there, a ship is coming in from the west, and. You know, like all the elves are gathering the crowd, being like, "Well, the ship is coming in from the west it's at the next same time." Right? That doesn't. That's not usually the way things work, I guess. The way mm. they, they mention it, it's never how it works. Do they just make a new ship for every trip? Then that's what I yeah. thought. I was okay. like, they just keep. So the ship pulls in. Frodo steps out. Mm. Yeah. Now, Frodo and you know, it, like everybody kind of freaks out, except that. You know, Sam, he's not freaking out about it or anything. That's because he is connected. Right. Mm -hmm. I suppose. Um, Which is always really intimation. He was also a ring bearer, so... That's true, I guess, too, yeah. So, Frodo comes back in. He's got a message that's going to be passed on to, like, the the ship, the guy in charge of Cirdan, what's his name? C-I-R-D-A-N. They talk politely until they send Gala out of the room. Yeah. (laughs) Then they ask Frodo what the fuck. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And from that elf who Gala had bugged, had, like, tried to follow before. Mm-hmm. He's, like, going to the west into, you know, essentially heaven. He's like, hey, like, a, a funny thing happened to me on the way to the west through the Grey Havens where, like, this little hobbit girl was following me and, you know, her name was such and such and such and such. It's a yeah. terrible joke. And that... <laughs> <laughs> and that reaches... That reaches Galadriel. Mm-hmm. And Galadriel yeah. decides to... And she's like, oh, I guess Frodo had a kid. And, and we're just, talking about the Galadriel Galadriel, <laughs> not right. Galadriel Frodo's kid. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway. It reaches back Galadriel. And in the meantime, when they're when they have been in the West, uh, Frodo has been restless. They were content That's at right. first, and they've been getting getting increasingly less and less content. Yeah, yeah. It, it's <laughs> it's basically like Nirvana, heaven, etc. You you pass into the West, and you're just like, I live here now. Mm. My past life is gone. Right. But something is pulling him back to his past life, and it seems like it is Gala. And Galadriel decides to share the news with him. And so he decides to come back. Now the first question out of everyone's mouths in this conversation was to send Gal out of the room and some of his friends is like, so are you staying or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is especially, P- Mary's pretty aggressive about it. Mm-hmm. For reasons that are not, I feel like not directly stated, but extremely clear, like in, yeah. a, in, a, in a good writing kind of way. Yeah. Where it's like, he is Gala's father yeah as a parent you want to know what trouble the birth parent's going to cause exactly Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. he knows that she's like totally into her father she's been reading the red book like wearing his coat right and it's like it's one thing for mary if frodo's coming back to be a part of her life it's another thing if he's just dipping in and then he's going to be like turning right back around again and like hurting gala through that action yeah and, and it should be noted as soon as he steps off the boat, she's in his arms immediately. Oh, yeah. Yes. And like, doesn't they like know go. each other immediately. Yeah. yeah. She, he and and also to remember she hasn't seen him like ever in her life really. She was quite young. Like a Wait, like, he was gone no, she, when she was born, yeah. yeah. He wasn't there when she was born. Yeah, was he wasn't news, there when she was born. It was news to him that right. she exists. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't remember if she was like a baby or if, before that, but you're right. Um, so yeah, so this, but she's had a fantasy of who her father would be, mm-hmm. and it's been very much reinforced by all of these myths and legends mm-hmm. surrounding her father, and she longs for that. Yeah. But yeah, there's this crazy thing that happens because I think this is what the writing here is so good at doing is like 
Mary and Frodo are, like, close, close friends. Like, Mary, you know, is bawling tears when Frodo leaves on those gray ships. But after 12 years of raising this girl as his daughter, that's where the loyalties have turned to. Mm -hmm. And there's almost an aggression towards Frodo. Like, don't you hurt this girl that I care for. And I think that's very respectable in a a good parent, honestly. Like, and... it's it is Frodo's motives are questionable here. Like how long he's gonna be here? Like what's gonna happen? You know? Yeah, it's, it's if he came over, he should come to stay, or he mm-hmm. should just not come at all. Mm-hmm. Correct. Which is Mary's stance, and totally understandable. And Frodo yeah. has not thought it through. Like he he really hasn't. No. He he's saying like, well, I'll, I'm gonna stay through this first, you know, uh, first two sicknesses, the first two sicknesses, and then we'll see. And he's like not committing to anything, and you know. And like, Mary's kind of upset with him about yeah. it. I kind of read it like Frodo wasn't sure whether they're going to survive it or not. Yeah, so. that that's another very plausible read, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I'm afraid of but, saying anything that's going to happen in the future because I don't know if I will even live through this. He's I, basically like, I couldn't stay there. Mm-hmm. I was too uncomfortable. But if I can't stay here, like I can't, I can't make any promises. Yeah. Yeah. So. Just makes and Frodo feels seem like such a dick in this moment. Well, honestly, he, he's Mary's not even the only one who's kind of angry at him. Like Pippin has a moment also where Frodo's like, "Oh yeah, and you know, Lily died from that. And it's all my fault, and you know, I mm-hmm. I should not have allowed this to happen. She should not have been in that situation. But, you know, like Sam, it's, it's you know nothing to do with you. It's all my fault." And Pippin's line is, "Yes, be at peace, Sam." Pippin said, a touch of anger in his voice. Frodo is the only one allowed to bear the blame for every turn of fate. We mere mortals simply have to accept that these things happen sometimes. And, he, and that's, he, and like, such a purely honest snipe at Frodo that's, like, so rooted in the source material that, oh, like, yeah. mm-hmm. it's so easy to be mad at Frodo in this. So, uh, one, one of the other quotes is uh, when they're first talking. Frodo sat back in his chair, looking around. I'm sorry, Mary. Perhaps I shouldn't have come. I didn't say you shouldn't have come, Frodo. I asked if you plan to stay. Yeah. <laughs> Snaps. Good old Mary. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> Mary leaves the room. <laughs> yeah, Mary's a great character in this. Yeah. Pippin, I mean, is, Pippin is too, but he's around less. Yeah. After yeah. this initial conversation, like, on the way back, they kind of drop Pippin back off at home. That's pretty much it for Pippin. And, you know... Sam also goes home, and Sam's mayor of Hobbiton, by the way, which mm-hmm. is canon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But and he's got his own big family, and, and they live in Bag End, and they live in Bag which End, which has been a sticking point for all the people in Hobbiton because they're like, shouldn't that be Frodo's daughter's place? And he's like, well, it was left to me. <laughs> so Mary and Gala, I'm saying Gala like the apple. Is that how everyone else was saying it? Gala, Gala, Gala for me, yeah. Gala, like the ball. Yeah. Like Gala. Oh, Gala. Gala. Galadriel. Gala. It should be Gala. Gala's not right. I say Gala for the apple, too, just Gala. You know, to clarify from my perspective. So. Mary and Gala and Frodo head back to Brandy Hall. Brandy Buck Hall? Brandy Hall. Brandy Hall. Um, and, you know, Frodo even gets, like, to stay in the same room that he had when he was growing up. And here we're kind of introduced to a subplot here in the middle which is that Frodo is kind of emotionally detached from the world. Mm-hmm. Like, he goes in there and he's like, oh, I remember a lot of youth, like, stuff from my youth, but it's not hitting him emotionally. It's described as just remembering a bunch of 
times and dates and not remembering themselves in the situation emotionally. Yeah. He just spent a bunch of time in heaven. And it's right. kind of like when uh, Gandalf came back as Gandalf the White and he's like, I don't know, what are you talking about? anything. <laughs> 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 or, or when Buffy came back after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I actually think this is pretty consistent with how Frodo was at the end of the books mm-hmm. because he felt like he had to pass away into the West because he couldn't feel the same connection with the Shire that he did and with his friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think his emotional state is pretty consistent coming mm-hmm. back here. Yeah. And similar, like he visits the little memorial, I guess, grave for Lily and that kind of thing. Now, he's also still kind of getting closer to Gala during this, though. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's anything super f- specific to say about that. The first sickness strikes. While he's there. Oh, you're right. That's, you're right. That is the big, big thing. Yeah. First sickness strikes. Scares the shit out of Gala. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, can we she, just call her Apple? Sorry, just kidding. I feel like that's a different Hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> it probably is. Um, yeah, first sickness strikes. I forget which one. It's a Shelob anniversary, I think, or something. Whatever. Yeah, it's the less uh, traumatizing one. It's oh, the less traumatizing one. He's been, um, <laughs> it's all these degrees of traumatizing with Frodo. <laughs> it's the less phasing out of existence one. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's been preparing for this, but I, I forget, has he warned G- Gala about this? He warns her, but it's just like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, he's still in, he's yeah. totally out of it and probably like screaming and all that kind of thing. They, they warn her, like he warned a kid, like something yeah. bad's going to happen, and Gala still doesn't understand what's right. going on. And he has a jewel that Arwen has. Oh, is it just the Evan Star that he has? Like, I what, guess. What's if he they call it Nenya. Nenya, yeah. Wait, Nenya? That's one of the rings. He has one of the rings. Yes. Mm-hmm. He has the ring of, I don't know, adamant. Like, which one is it? Yeah, it's the ring of adamant. So that was the one that... Um, he has Nenya with him? Is he, that right? Yes, yeah. he has Nenya with him, and he has... To help him feel less. They say it doesn't have any power, but he keeps it just in case. Wait, doesn't he have two things with him, then? Yes, yeah. I was about to say. Right. He has Nenya, and he has... Um, it was something else he used to carry with him. Do y'all remember? It's good to know because it was confusing for me. I I think that is just like Arwen's jewel, like. Um, yes, mm-hmm. I thought so. The, the, the actual star. star, yeah, yeah. And so the, the ring is there for moral support because it was literally useless because the one ring was destroyed. I think he brings Nanya back with him, and later in the fic, our, uh, he gets sent the the even star. Is that right? From, From yes, Arwen. yeah, yeah. Okay. Because they're supposed to meet up at a lake. In the, the summer. The king and Arwen. And oh, right, right. supposed to go and meet mm-hmm. up in the summer. Because yeah. the king's yeah. busy yes. gonna, all over the place. Right. And right. he was going to give it back to Arwen at that time. Uh-huh. Like. Yeah, and all, of all people, of course, Arwen is not in the West. Like, that's kind of the point. Yeah. Um, she's mortal now, so. And it helps. That helps. It still has some measure of power for some reason. I don't know. It's, you know, elf magic. Whatever. It helps power some. of love. <laughs> <laughs> I said it. I'm not sorry. <laughs> Maybe a little? Maybe a little. <laughs> okay. That's fine. I can live with it. Okay. But the sickness is still pretty, you know, traumatizing to everyone involved. Like, Frodo has not had to go through... Knowing he has been having to go through this, even in the West, hasn't he? It's been easier in the West, I right. think. It's supposed to have been. And it's gotten worse now that he's left the West. Yeah. So he makes it through the first bout of sickness. Mm-hmm. Relatively okay. Mm-hmm. And then they go back to um, Bag End with uh, Sam. Yeah. yeah. And here it should be noted that Gala has a very close relationship with Sam's son, 
Fro. Fro, named after Fro, yes. which is kind of weird. <laughs> but they're, they fully expect, like all the adults fully expect they will That's get married. That's like parents do, though, when, when they, they, grow up. Well, they just talk about their kids are going to marry other people's I, kids. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I feel like that's less about the relationship between Fro and Gala and more about just the way hobbits operate, where they're like, oh, those two are totally going to hook up. Even Frodo is like, well, this bag-end inheritance thing is only going to be one generation, it looks like. (laughs) Well, I actually wanted to mention that because I was resting on that part, and it's really kind of funny, like, um, because I do think you're right about the whole, like, this is the way hobbits operate thing. And Sam is, of course... The epitome of the true hobbit. Hobbit And such an admirable hobbit as he is. He is like, um, says something about like, um, you don't need a bit of foretelling to know that, Mr. Frodo, but we pretend not to. They think it's a big secret they play at being married. I know it's not quite proper and all, being of such different types. And this is where they address class difference, yep. mm-hmm. which they oh, they never address in Lord of the Rings, despite it being so obvious that they, there is class difference, there right? Is, there is when they talk about between Sam and Frodo. That's always been a yeah. thing between them where yeah, Sam, Sam is supposed to serve Frodo because Frodo's of a high-class family, and Frodo's always been, Sam, that doesn't matter. We're just friends. Okay, good point. They do address it, but it's very kind of like abstract in the sense that they never say like explicitly there's this. I, I feel, is that true? I feel anyway. like this exchange is a lot more pointed than it, it ever was pointed. in the books. Yes, and so... Yeah. I think it, anything that anybody else has written is more pointed than anything from... <laughs> from yeah, wrote. and so it goes on. <laughs> Frodo rolled his eyes. They both looked like hobbits to me, where he's like, stop it, stop right. it with this class nonsense. And Sam's like, you know what I mean. Yes, I do. I'm choosing not to acknowledge it. I had hoped that this nonsense would have ended with the third age. You are my heir and my dearest friend, Sam. I will not make a serious guess as to whether or not Gala will marry your son. They are far too young to think about such things. But I will tell you that I would consider such a match not only acceptable, but the most delightful one I could conjure in my imagination. Sam could think of no answer. They went inside to supper. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of a sweet moment, yeah. but it's just like actually addressing that very straightforward. And they're a little bit better than most parents that do that sort of thing where they didn't directly tease the kids all the time about it. Right. That totally. is, that's definitely a step up, yes. yes. <laughs> I like that Frodo's priority in this was, like, to address the class difference. Like, he mentions offhandedly, like, they're way too young, like, what are you doing? But his main point is, like, why do you care about this class thing? Like, yeah. I don't. Of course, it is his privilege not to care because he is of the higher class, but... Now, Frodo's been needing to grapple with, like, how much do I engage with life here? Do I even want to or whatever? Mm -hmm. But he is growing closer to Gala. Mm -hmm. And he decides to move back into Lily's old house with her. After some um, cajoling, I think. After some cajoling. Yeah, she overhears at one point, like, kind of discussion about, like, what are you going to do? And at one point they have a um, New Year's equivalent party Mm -hmm. in that area where all the kids fall asleep. And instead of going back, they all... Um, spend the night in uh, Lily's old house. That's right. That's kind of what sets it off. Mm -hmm. Sets it off. He decides to move back in with Gala. She's staying there. And they end up also reopening the school that Gala was intending to... While they're in Bag End, um, Frodo started to teach some neighborhood kids. Right. Mm -hmm. And I I liked this emphasis of Frodo as being kind of bookish Mm -hmm. because I feel like 
That's absolutely who the character is. Yeah. It's just not something that gets emphasized in the book because he's dragging himself across the wilderness on a like horrible quest and he's like not, you know, allowed actually, to do his own thing. Yeah, especially not super suited for, but he does it anyway. Yeah, right. actually, yeah, like especially old Frodo that's written the red book. Right, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I feel like this is the Frodo that would exist now, but the Frodo that was introduced before his quest was like the wild hobbit who yeah. just wanted to like leave and go on adventures, right? Yeah, but also But this was... is definitely the Frodo who's been through things and seen things mm-hmm. like I definitely think this is the contemporary Frodo of our time <laughs> I like how you phrased that Tori me too I think this is a Frodo for today's generation <laughs> vote Frodo <laughs> so the prospect of moving into the, her mother's old house makes Gala realize that she's actually going to leave Brandy Hall mm-hmm. for the first time in her life and leave Mary and she kind of grapples with that in a very sweet way and kind of tells him um you know it's that not she that loves i don't him. love you yeah yeah and it, yeah it's very very sweet and mary takes it very well he's like look nice. i consider you my own daughter like all i love you no matter where you are mm-hmm. you're welcome back at brandy hall anytime but like do what you do what's good for you and also just because you move out doesn't mean you can't come and see me and visit whenever right and he tells, uh, Mary tells Frodo, I have relinquished my jewel, Frodo. Are you ready to yes. relinquish yours? Which means, you know, are, can you put the jewels you've brought aside and, like, really try and stay here and grapple with your issues? Yeah. Because it yeah. seems the use of that, of the Evan Star or whatever, mm-hmm. um, is kind of partially contributing to his detachment. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, well, it's holding on, actually... holding on to the Nenya, which he admits doesn't actually have any magic power but keeps with him anyways Mm. actually like in that same moment explicitly it's stated like he grabs the jewel and grasps it tightly feeling the terrible frightening grief fade slowly away as he grasps the jewel and it's the grief of his wife he says she was my wife I'm supposed to feel this and so it's sort of like this idea of when he takes the jewel he loses his grief but he feels a sense of how he's supposed supposed to feel in this mortal world. He finds the beauty in feeling. Yes. For the first time in a long yeah. time. And backing up just a moment, Dom, you were saying Frodo starts teaching some neighborhood kids while he's still staying at Sam's at Bag End. Yeah, first starts teaching um, Gala, uh, continuing Gala's lesson, then starts teaching all of Sam's kids, then some of the neighborhood kids, then the word spreads, then some people come from further afield mm-hmm. to come to a Bag End to learn. And a lot of them are a little bit wary about it until they get uh, the kids get an assignment to talk about what their family members did in the <laughs> battle of the Shire or whatever and then everybody's in, like we, happy with it. Read for on a parent observance day or whatever. Yeah. 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 That, that, that was adorable. Like yeah. we, we yeah. even get another scene of like you know tavern gossip about like I don't know about all this book learning and putting ideas into their heads but at least on the part of some hobbits. Right. But then yeah like right writing like, about their family. But they mentioned like heroics. Those, some of the younger newer parents really want their kids to learn so they can write stuff down. <laughs> right. about yeah. what mm-hmm. It implies a change in Hobbit culture, especially with talking about the heroics of Hobbits, which is so a not-Hobbit thing to have heroics, right? And just and, being more aware of their place in the world mm-hmm. has made them more concerned with just actually being, learning. Just so. being aware of a world that is not just Hobbits. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And 
does isn't there a comment about like to hear the family stories that are related by these kids for their assignment? It sounds like like every single <laughs> hobbit like heroically like spat at Sharky's rogues and like you know did yeah. something really awesome in the battle. This or... is the tale of every stub too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. This is what Lily was trying to avoid. Yeah. <laughs> but these were not the stories that like you know. Bilbo's generation would have wanted to hear it all. They would have been horrified. So it's interesting that they're bringing it forward and they're like, these are cool stories. Yeah, well, everyone lived through it. You know, it wasn't that yeah, long ago. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but now it's real. The world broke into the Shire, so they can't ignore yes. it anymore. So Correct. it's kind of changed the culture. Yeah. And I love how the author really, like, uh, our dear friend Fern Withy really emphasizes that. Mm-hmm. And so the school is going well and everything, but. Frodo has the next round of illness, and he sees it's upcoming on his G calendar. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's there's this weird subplot where like Lily hides the jewel. Lily sleepwalks while sleepwalking. Yes, yeah, because she's always had a sleepwalking issue, mm-hmm. and subconsciously she kind of resents the jewel or like because something it makes now, her father distant. Right. Yes. Now, did they mention they? I feel like they established the author established her sleepwalking issue before, but I don't know how far previously it was to this moment. It was in, in the beginning of the fic. I I they established it. Oh, it they established like, it early on. Yeah, okay. they did. It's kind of a way for her to act in a way that provides some conflict without actually having her need to make a decision that you know provides the conflict. She falls asleep and. Yeah. Gets to act out her id, right. but not take responsibility yeah. for it. Because it's a kid it that, does, that wants to be a good kid that wouldn't consciously would do that. Right. wouldn't consciously yeah. cause any conflict. That'd be interesting in the story. Yeah, yeah. It's weird though because it's like as like like if she's a kid, you know, younger than twelve. If she's twelve in Hobbit years, she's younger than twelve in our young human kid, inception. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. She's a young kid. Yeah. Whatever. I'm gonna stop fixating on that. My point is, is that like if she did something really, like, you know, arbitrary crazy, it wouldn't be that weird, because kids right. do that stuff. Mm-hmm. But they have to make it sleepwalking. This is kind of my only problem, is they have to make it sleepwalking, sleepwalking so that she's has no, like, culpability, so that she's kind of perfect. Yeah, I... That's my only issue with I, it. I'm not sure that was the purpose, exactly. It seemed more like uh, another way to introduce more attention, because, like, then they were looking for the stone, and... And even she doesn't know where and, it is. And, and even the kid didn't know. And that provided the tension to the point where she guessed where it was and went out to find it in the snow, broke through some some ice that covered, that covered a pond and dipped and ripped it out of the ice-covered mud. It was also kind of like a little redemption thing where she ended up like tearing up her hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She did, but what was her redemption for if she did it while sleepwalking? And... Um, like that—that's my only issue. That like, and furthermore, it's like. I think it was implied it was a redemption for having the impulse in the first place. Yeah, here's, yeah, here's the conversation. Sam's there, and when mm-hmm. she comes back in, and you know she manages to get the jewel back, she turned to Sam, who hadn't spoken to her since she'd gone outside, and said, "I wasn't lying, but you weren't quite telling the truth either, were you now, Miss Gala?" Gala. She shook her head. I thought if he didn't have it, he'd forget about going west again. I didn't mean to steal it. But I didn't want him to have it anymore, either. Your dad's got a sickness gala. It doesn't go away for the wishing. And I feel like that's kind of an important point here. It's just uh, like, Frodo's Frodo's trauma is real. Frodo's physical, yes. like, you know, sicknesses are real. And he's not, you know, 
he may have been kind of irresponsible in coming back, but he's he's not promising to stay, partially because he just is not sure whether he can. And that's something Gallus head understands, but not but the, not emotional, not the unconscious. But right. actually, like that's specifically my point. Like, is that she acknowledges the wish for him to stay and all of that, and apologizes for it and takes responsibility for it. So why could she have not done this task while awake? Um, and it's a minor thing. I just feel like I, as a kid. I just think it's a it, it's representation sort of, of conflict within Gala themselves, you know? And perhaps, perhaps. I just feel like it maybe could have been more poignant if she'd done it very deliberately because it would have shown, like, how much she really wanted her parent to be there as opposed to being, like, infinitely self-sacrificing. I think because that, if she's yeah. doing it only as a sleepwalker, it's like she is this most infinitely self-sacrificing person. I don't think it's read like that. Even you know what I mean. I, I know what you mean. It could have been written where she. Mm. I, I would have believed it if they wrote it where she took it deliberately and like threw it someplace. The way I feel, I I feel it was written this way because, her, taking the jewel and getting rid of it for the day when Frodo really needs it, you know, precipitates the plot. Like it pushes it forward, because and we can talk about that in a minute, but. I can't see her being remaining in character and watching him suffer without telling somebody immediately where the jewel is. Yeah. That's a good point. So I yeah. think it was really to service the plot more than yeah. anything. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Very good point. In the aftermath of this, it was it hit Frodo really badly. Frodo had a bad time. It was like real bad. Mm-hmm. And he they have a conversation. They're like traveling on the way, aren't they heading back to the Grey Havens at this? He takes off, like, immediately. He's like, I can't handle this. And yeah. Frodo has been making preparations before the sickness hit, mm-hmm. and the uh, worst-case scenario that he, ha- he has to bail right after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he has, like, somebody covering his lessons. He, he has uh, all his stuff packed up, ready to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Gala, they have a conversation on the way, and it's, again, very heartfelt. And they agree that... Frodo and Gala should go alone or to have some more alone time before Frodo oh, yeah. leaves permanently. That's right. And, you know, she still has the little kid emotional reaction where she's like, you went through it twice already. You went through both of them. Can't you just, like, keep doing that every but, year? Here's mm-hmm. the quote. Yeah. But she bore it twice already. Frodo looked away from her. Gala, I do not have a choice. The sickness isn't going away, as I had hoped it would. If I don't leave, what? What will happen? She glared at him for a long moment, eyes burning then collapse, weeping into his arms. Oh, Daddy, it hurts so much. I only just found out who I am. How can I go back? Why should you? He petted her hair and kissed the crown of her head. Darling, I'll always be with you in your heart when you need me. I don't want you in my heart. I want you at the dinner table. And that's yeah. the mm-hmm. crux of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah and it's... Yeah. I feel like it was a good... It was an ending that rang true to the source material to have it be that he has to leave. Actually, like, wait. It, it, it would it, Dom, you were saying like it's kind of weird for like someone to come back from the West at all and like yeah. they would have been very untolkien. It would have been even less so for to be like, I'm yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm sick no. and corrupted, you, but like... Wait. Should I read the last few Yeah, paragraphs? he stays. Wait a minute. Did I misread that? I read it several times to get the gist of it because at first I did think he left, but he does stay. He keeps Arwen's jewel, yep. sends the ring back, 
and stays. Yeah, like six paragraphs after the one I just read, they talk. Oh, about dang! I was reading. I missed that part. It, the quote, the quote when he's saying like, and perhaps far in the future when you are all grown up and married, and I am yeah. old and tired, I will come back here. I was, I'm I was reading a, that as like coming back to Middle I, Earth. Again. I read it. That's exactly <laughs> the same way. That's exactly the same way I read it the first time. I actually read it two more times in order to make sure. And it was on the second read-through that I was like, oh, no, wait. And I actually parsed it on the last one. Because I think your anticipation wants you to think that he does go back. And yeah. I think it would make the most sense. Like, mm-hmm. you always get the sense that his stay is temporary, that he can't be here, that it hurts him too much to be here, and that it's not realistic. So it is weird to me. He decides to stay. Mm-hmm. And yes, what he says is that perhaps when you are old and married, or, or something like, not mm-hmm. old, but like, grown and married. And I am older, right? He's old older. Tired. When he's like, yeah, when you, when eventually you get married, I will go back to the West. And he's giving up a lot to do that. But there's not a lot of precedent sent for why he would do that. So I actually had to read it a couple times to get that same meaning myself. I okay, mean, you are totally right. Somehow I just yeah. Like, he does. Ooh, he does say the key words here. I totally best get home, time. which yeah. is the key phrase in that little section. And if you're skimming, you can miss it really, really easily. Last, but yeah, he he decides to stay with her. Yeah. Last paragraph is they turned east together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He sends Nenia back. He stays behind, and she's she does say, "Oh, I wish I oh I wish it didn't hurt you so." But, he says, not all wishes can come true, but perhaps a few of them can. And, okay, so never mind, he stays. <laughs> he does. Congratulations. Kid, you know? I'm glad we talked about this, Amato. <laughs> <laughs> it's time we had this talk. Yeah. No, seriously, though, I did not get it the first time. But there were those little bits that didn't make sense, like... It was a bit of a, an about-face. Yeah. So it, it happened very rapidly, yeah. I would say. But well, at, at this point, I, th- I think they provided enough evidence for both ways where they could have gone either direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I really expected him to go back to the West. And also the way the ending was written, like, it was so somber. It's very somber. You kind of felt like he was. Well, like, he's decided to suffer for several decades. Right. Of course. <laughs> so. Of course. But, like... The idea is that he's decided to suffer because the sacrifice that he's making produces a greater joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you right. would think that would have more more joyous tone, but it does not. And so the idea of staying with his child produces a somber effect. I don't think it's... That is kind of counterintuitive to I me. Didn't, I didn't feel like it was so somber for no, me. No, you anyway. didn't? Okay. No, no. Like... He said, not all wishes come true, mm-hmm. but perhaps a few of them can. Mm-hmm. And that's his and last line. Home. Yeah. Well, the way that it shook out is like they had to break somebody's heart, and he just kind of decided that it would be his own instead of his daughter's. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't his heart so much. N- not the, not literally, but um, they, there had to be some sort of sacrifice. Right. It had to be sacrificed just, either way. I felt like maybe at the end the tone could have been more, I don't know, heroic celebratory rather than like somber and like I guess I have to do this because I love my daughter. I guess we you know what have, I mean. I like, was pretty consistent with Frodo. He's a pretty somber dude. I don't, <laughs> think, it's like, I don't think it's I had to do this. I think Frodo wanted to do it. Of course daughter. he did but I just feel like the tone isn't consistent with that feeling. Do you if, understand? If there had been I mean? a paragraph like, in there where it shows him thinking to himself like okay that was hard, but 
already my pain is, is subsiding. Yes. I think I can do this yes. two days a year. Like having a little bit more of a transition, I if think would help. If there had been any moment in this where his love for his daughter made him feel something beautiful and positive. They kind of spend that throughout the whole thing, though. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's there. It's just... The author's trying to be subtle and not and showing rather than telling, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. My point, no, my point is more to the effect of there is so much pain in this and his choice to remain with his daughter I feel comes as unexpected because his moments with his daughter are rarely joyful. They're often rife with his own pain. Mm. So I feel like it would make way more sense for his pain to drive him away than for him to seek joy with his daughter. If there had been more established joy with his daughter, like, just purely that. Like, I love her and I am with her. I feel like it would have come together better. That's my opinion. I saw some joy in in his interactions There's some. Yeah. There's some. I didn't really... You kind of talked like there wasn't really any. Or not not enough to justify I feel like... No, 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 no. That's not exactly what I mean. I mean just that the whole tone is mostly somber. Like, his pain kind of overtakes the rare moments of joy, is kind of what I'm trying to say. Does, well, that, I th- does I think, that ring for you guys? Or I don't know. Maybe you all feel different. I think that's a difference in, in impressions from reading. Mm. But I think we can all agree that it would have been more clearly celebratory at the end if a couple of giant eagles had swept down <laughs> and picked them up and carried them back to Hobbiton. They mean some Obviously. sort of eucharistic moment. <laughs> exactly. To really get into that Tolkien. Right. Somebody shouts, the eagles are coming. (laughs) (laughs) Off in the distance, they're like, who's that guy? (laughs) They're like, like, why? Nobody asked them. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Dom, you commented when we were just getting ready to start that we stumbled into reading two Fernwithy stories that are centered around father-daughter relationships. Yeah, I think that's just kind of unfortunate in our fanfic choice. I, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't know that was the emphasis of this fanfic when I chose it. It yeah. could be a theme that Fern Withy likes to explore, which is yeah. good. It's well, hard to tell because, like, two, yeah. two examples are the sample size. I right. feel like at this point we're committed and we need to do a third one at some point. <laughs> and I have to be here. Yeah, sure. And it'll be Harry Potter because Fern Withy did, did a lot of Harry yes. Potter. Or does. Sounds great. I will say that Fern Withy's explorations of father-daughter relationships are pretty poignant and uh, nuanced. Yeah. yeah. And as far as I can tell with these two uh, examples of uh, their writing that we've seen so far, solid writer, mm-hmm. very nuanced, just a generally really good at remembering who characters are and exploring that further, mm-hmm. which is really nice. I also uh, appreciate what they have to say about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, well, but, and in both cases, I mean, they're very, very different relationships. Mm-hmm. We don't have a scene here of, you know, Gala murdering Frodo's friends and, like, leaving mm-hmm. everything that he built burning around him. <laughs> Which ba- is too bad, really. <laughs> I watched a man burn. <laughs> Vowing the destruction of all of his works, you know? Uh, maybe in the sequel. <laughs> They do mention at the end that there is a story about um, Gala's mother. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't oh, yeah. not read that. It's just that I have other things higher in my priority list as someone who uh, chooses readings for a fan fiction podcast. Yeah, there's, would, there's a literal list. Uh, right. I would <laughs> vote for a Fernwithy Harry Potter. Well, that's sure. if we do yeah, a yeah. third Fernwithy, and like I said, I feel like we have to now, then it's definitely going to be Harry Potter. <laughs> um, it's It's kind of... Having glanced at Fern with these like 
bibliography. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird that we chose two non-Harry Potter ones, I feel like. Hmm. I mean, she's been, in, she's been involved in a lot of things. I just think she's most well-known for Harry Potter, probably yeah. because Harry Potter has the biggest fan fiction fandom, like, ever. Well, like, if that's the biggest selection of her with these words, we should definitely explore more. I'm not just saying that because all our Harry Potter episodes are the most downloaded and watched. <laughs> 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 Why did you yeah. like Harry Save Potter the best so for much? Last. I mean, yeah, I, I love like Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. It's great. I did buy a Harry Potter shirt the worst. at the, uh, the 9-3 quarter story, King's Cross Station. Oh, very nice. Yeah, uh, well, yeah we'll do another Harry Potter at some point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Very That's soon, perfect. immediately, almost like right now. We're doing it right now, actually. All Let's right, talk Harry about Potter. Harry Potter. So how about Harry Potter? Oh God, I'm not prepared. Um, I like Harry <laughs> and his Potter. <laughs> how about those father-daughter relationships in Harry Potter, like... Uh, uh, Ginny and uh, her dad. Does Hermione Arthur? have a dad? Yeah, but he's not really in I it. think they're in the same room at one point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dumbledore is a father figure. Uh, daughter does figure? he have a daughter? He's a father figure to... To which to... daughter? Uh, Pick a daughter. Any daughter. Fox? Is Fox a girl? McGonagall? <laughs> <laughs> I would read that fanfic, too. Yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> I feel like McGonagall should have done more cool stuff in the course of those seven books, you know? Mm -hmm. Agreed. Like, she, she kind doesn't of need glory, okay? <laughs> she's just doing all those essential background things being a cat, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, I just felt like she should have been a cat more often. She's just badass on the DL, that's all. <laughs> yeah. Think of how many baddies she scratched with them cat claws, though. Seriously. Mm -hmm. She was on recon missions. We just didn't know. I, I want to read that comic book. <laughs> like McGonagall Secret Service or something. <laughs> just like the new um, Pennyworth TV series that's coming out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. If Alfred turned into a cat, I would buy that. Mm -hmm. That'd be too much, I think. That's, that's too much good stuff in one thing. Gotta slow down. <laughs> uh, something, something, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. No? Salem? Salem is a great cat. Mm-hmm. Salem is a wizard turned into a cat, right? Yeah. Some, uh, ancient it? warlock dude did a bunch of crimes, got catted. Got End catted. of story. <laughs> Remained very sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> got well, he's a little bitter yeah. about getting all that cat. Got turned into a very bad puppet. <laughs> all right, all right. New fanfic pitch. Mm -hmm. Sabrina the Teenage Witch, mm -hmm. Harry Potter, mm. Sailor Moon crossover. Hmm. With all talking cats. Oh, oh excellent! Okay. Oh my exploded. god, <laughs> this is insanely good. Wow. Are there any other magic using talking? Uh, you know, talking cats from magic using franchises that we can throw in there. I'm guessing more than we think. So many. Um, Kiki's delivery service. Kiki's delivery service. service. Does, hey, done. Um, done. Accepted. I'm sorry. Does Madoka Magica? Does... Not a cat. Not a cat. Refused. Oh, so close. No. Also, I don't want him there. <laughs> Denied. Denied. No, I don't want. What is the land like? Is there anything else? Making a contract. Do you want to? Do you want to make? No. Oh, there's Felix as well from the 30s. And the happy music in the 90s. Yes. Oh my God. Or use magic and talking. Ultimately. Yeah, the cat. But wait, Felix is anthropomorphic though. Like he's not a cat. Oh, we're picking now, aren't we? Cat, Literally, like Fritz the Cat. Let's bring that one Fritz in Fritz the Cat also. I, I feel like this is a different fanfic here mm. with Felix and Fritz. Is Garfield a There's warlock? There's a lot more boobs, I gotta say. <laughs> All right, yeah. we'll throw them in their own. All right, they're over there. 
I'll accept Garfield from <laughs> the life where he was Pandora's. That was about to say. Oh, Hobbs. Hobbs 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 dead and everybody else is past. You know that alternate universe actual canon of Garfield? The Garfield and the Nine Lives book? You know that's like yeah, actually that's true? About, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Wait, there's a Garfield story that doesn't involve him talking about Monday. There's an actual <laughs> canon that like <laughs> Garfield's been alive for centuries and like everyone he knows is actually you know, he's no, like he, a ghost. He gets, he gets reincarnated. Reincarnated because right. nine lives. But everybody like every like John and Odie and everyone are just like figments of his imagination. Mm, I don't know about that. Yeah, that's the canon. Is that the ninth life life? I don't remember no, how that book ends. No, it's, it's not that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the one where it's like a Halloween strip where like it's oh, confirmed yeah, that he's creepy. actually like died and and that he's just like a ghost in a house imagining John and Odie for like the entire Garfield comic strip. Have you ever seen the the Garfield comic strip where they just remove Garfield and it's just John? Oh Peter yeah, himself? no, I love that. <laughs> that came out Garfield. when I was like a senior in high school and I was so about it. My favorite ones are like where you said something, it's just two two panels of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's most essential. So, best impression ever, by the way. Lord of the Rings <laughs> minus Frodo. Oh. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure that works in the same way. <laughs> My, so are you sure? Sauron takes over everything? No, no, no. It, it works exactly the same way. There's just no Frodo. Frodo's a figment of Sam's imagination? Yeah, something like that. I will we can accept. Make it work. <laughs> I will accept. I can accept. Salem. Like just first, you have to magic. think yeah, of Gollum. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah, first you have to think of Lord of the Rings as a strip comic, and then you can convert it. Yeah, you get too excited and smacking your mind. Tori, the closest I'll take there is Sabrina minus Salem, where just magic enacts a price on your sanity. Or Salem minus Sabrina. <laughs> That makes less sense. Do you remember that episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch where she gets addicted to pancakes like it's heroin? No. Do you remember the one where the guy... <laughs> Public surface? Like, surface does surface some, surface. like, weird body mods on her body on the computer, and she's, like, stuck with super high hair and huge boobs? What? <laughs> that one was insane. Uh, okay, okay. Well, we just jumped the shark, so... <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> well, look, we were delivering the content listeners crave by talking about Harry Potter. Mm-hmm, right. And then things got out of hand. So let's back up to the fanfic. we got to close this out. Oh, I, I thought we were going to back up to the, our all-encompassing cat fanfic. <laughs> we got to start writing it right now. Right now. <laughs> I think we might need a script right for now. our next episode. <laughs> oh, my... I did it. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I am sorry. Ah. It's okay, CJ, I forgive you. Any complaints about <laughs> the jewel of Brandy Hall that have not yet come up? Other than my kind of lack of belief in it as a, just a thing, <laughs> it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be honest, I feel like I complained more about it in the actual podcast than I actually felt. Like, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah it, it's a good story. Like, maybe yeah. Galaga had a more interesting characterization, but I'm not sure that was necessary. It's like, mm-hmm. it's one of those stories where she's, I'm not going to say it's perfunctory, mm. but, like, she's not, she's not giving more time for it to breathe than she needs to. Does, like, Gala, it, does Gala have an arc in this? Does Gala have an arc? Gala... 
kind of ends in the same place they start, right? Yeah. It's, it's really Frodo who no. has the arc. She's yeah. the catalyst, really, for Frodo's okay. arc, that, I think. That's, I think that's maybe the major complaint, is, like, I feel like she could have had more, but yeah. she is also a kid. Yeah. Right. Her, her kidness is, like... I guess a 12-year-old or a Hobbit equivalent 12-year-old could have a, like, big character-changing thing, but, you know. Yeah, like, a Hobbit 12-year-old is, like, what, like, an 8-year-old or 7-year-old? Well, year we old, don't so. know. But this is not a coming-of-age anyway. story, so... No, it's not. Yeah, I could imagine a follow-up coming-of-age story of some kind, but... Yeah. Um, I kind of liked that yeah. it dodged that. It was just about... that They had one story they wanted to tell, and Yeah, that was it. Her coming-of-age story could easily be the day her father leaves for sure. good. Totally, yeah. Though I do feel like the author paid a lot of attention to her character without, like, getting a lot of places with her development, mm. I suppose. Though a lot of it had to do with her emotions around her father, and those were well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In terms of things to praise, I'd say my favorite thing about the fanfic is just the parts where it's so hobbity. Just always, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the, like, gossip in yeah, the tavern. I enjoyed the, like, all the hobbits getting really into their family stories being, like, performed by their kids on, like, stage. All those kinds of, like, really hobbity, folksy, like, small townness stuff. Um, I, I mean, maybe I'm just hobbit-starved and I like having more hobbits in general. It was fun. It was true to the source material. Yeah. It was nice. I appreciate it was something easy to read that had a uh, Lord of the Rings flavor to it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the yeah. writing style was vaguely reminiscent of, but not too much because then it would have been bitch to read. <laughs> Reading 20,000 words of writing in the style of They Say of the Elves mm-hmm. would have been a bit much. That would have been a bit much. Quite, yeah. A bit yeah. over fiery, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. And then the characters became kind of, I don't know, super relatable in a certain sense, like... I felt like I related less to Sam and Mary and Pippin because they were more minor than I did in the source. But Frodo and especially Gala just came out so much. Well, you know what? Also, Tori, you mentioning that makes me want to say that I really like that Frodo, uh, sorry, that Sam and Mary and Pippin are all different characters with different perspectives and different yeah. attitudes mm-hmm. towards Frodo. Because mm-hmm. it would have been so easy to write them as, like, Frodo's old friends as a group. Totally, And they're yeah. really not. Like, Mary is not Pippin in this. Yeah. And, you know, Sam is not Mary. Like, they all have very different places they're coming from in their relationships with with each other and with Frodo and with Gala. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, like, Absolutely, yeah. it's... The, the, there was clear attention paid there and it ca- came through in the scenes that those other characters were in and I thought it was really good. It's a gift Fernworthy has really that she, I, I assume, really studies character. That's my understanding, yes. And then, you know, takes it in new places but really stays true to yes. who that person is supposed mm-hmm. to be. So, Yeah, and I think, you know, what I just said was like that those characters weren't as relatable as maybe the word I used but I think more they weren't as focused on. They actually are very relatable. If you pause and take a second to consider each character's perspective, they're all fully developed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the beauty of their writing. Like, Fernwithy can really go with any character and make that character, like, as we saw with Darth Vader being a prominent character, make that character super empathetic mm-hmm. and it's all done very well here mm-hmm. if we read something um Fred writes about harry potter am i going to like draco is that going to happen can you promise me that won't happen amato 
I don't know anything about Harry Potter output. I can't. Honestly, I can promise nothing. I'm not sure we can r- r- risk that. Then I don't know. I totally think Fernwithy can make that happen. Choose carefully about it. <laughs> Do you believe that Fernwithy could write a Harry Potter story and make us distinguish between Crab and Goyle? Or is oh, that beyond? Absolutely. If anyone could do that, it would be yeah. <laughs> Somebody should. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Fernwithy writing, Fernwithy's got a Patreon. It's Fernwithy, mm-hmm. you know, all together. She's got 12 Patreons, patrons. Patrons. I'm sure she could use more. <laughs> so, you know, out of all of the writers, she's one of the ones who is still doing writing online. And, you know, has somewhere to support her. So if you are moved to do so, go do that. Um, I'm not going to because I'm poor and cheap. Mm-hmm. And I that's my story. Because This is our contribution. <laughs> yeah, that's true. A friend with has become one of my favorite authors in the two fantasy read, though. Like, mm-hmm. I have mad respect for her. Mm-hmm. So. Great. I'll be breaking down the door if you do a friend with you without me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Swing in my, my cat woman suit. You're going to start your own <laughs> rival podcast. I knew you had a cat woman suit. I just knew it. Is that obvious? Mm-hmm. Well, we're not going to make it all friend with you all the time, but we'll get back to her at some point just because, because of momentum now. Which <laughs> <laughs> is really good. Mm-hmm. As for next time, we are doing some officially published fan fiction. I guess it's fan fiction. It is Tropical Storm by Melissa Good. And it is a Xena Uber fanfic, which is to say it's not Xena, but it's not not Xena. So it's like a super German fanfic? It's Uber? It is a Uber fanfic. No, um, it's just what the genre is called. It's AU. It's an altered universe. It might actually be the first AU fanfic we've read at all, because usually I don't read those. Um, we'll see what we have to say about it, at least some things. You can find the link to that one at bit.ly slash rfrstorm. As for this, this was episode 36 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, The Jewel of Brandy Hall by Fern Withy. You can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfrjewel, all lowercase and all that kind of thing. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you have comments, questions, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at RetroFanfic, or send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com. You can also leave comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts or the podcasty service of your choice. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. And I'm CJ. We're just four Middle Earth lifeforms trying to be nice to each other. <laughs> Until next time, take care.
And in the aftermath of this, in the aftermath of this, huh? <laughs> you've had too much not cavitas. <laughs> I've had like nothing. <laughs> but uh, I just can't talk. It's just evidence that you should drink more. Right, to have that like loosened tongue that I hear so much about. Yeah, that's what I do. 